30 of the Maple Leaf Hangout. Uh, Michael Langlois from Vintage Leaf Memories, your host, normally accompanied by Michael Stevens from the Maple Leaf Hot Stove. But Michael is, uh, uh, how can we say, uh, caught or has been caught in traffic, and so we'll 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 say he's he's on assignment. Uh, but Michael is usually my my sidekick and, and partner here. But we have a couple of our our most popular guests and, and some of my favorites uh, as well to talk about the Leafs. I'm sure we'll touch on the Marlies in this episode. Uh, Anthony Petrielli from the Maple Leaf Hot Stove, regular contributor, his Monday morning musings, uh, again, uh, well respected and well regarded by the many who visit the outstanding Maple Leaf Hot Stove site. And we're also joined by Gus Casaros, who is the pro scouting coordinator for McKean's Hockey. And Gus, we've had you on before. It's always been great. So welcome to both of you guys. And, and since I'm flying solo tonight, Gus, let me start with you. We'll get right to it. Uh, the Leafs, there's lots. Of, there are always lots of things to talk about. I know it's been fairly quiet in Leafland the last few weeks. I mean, yes, Shanahan coming on, of course, was a big story. Carlisle staying, pretty big story. Uh, but the thing I, first thing I want to touch on, Gus, with you is this. Um, uh, Leaf prospects. I get people and very thoughtful commentary at my site at Vintage Leaf Memories talking about the Leaf prospects. Some people are very high on on all the young guys in the pipeline, uh, other so-called independent experts. You know, what's one that I saw? The Leafs are in the, are the bottom five of the 30 teams in the NHL in terms of prospects. What's the reality, Gus? Let's start with that, and then I've got a couple of more specific questions about the prospects. Well, I think that there's a point where, you know, it's also... All right. There was a point where this whole rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it, finally came into play. Um, you need to give a little bit of time for things to start to take place. I, I think what they did was they tried to accelerate things with, with the Kessel trade, and we've all gone through this entire process, but I think what you see with the Leafs, and, and especially with what's happening with the Marlies, is there's a lot of depth, there's not a lot of stars. So while they do have some prospects that could step in and as early as next year and be somewhat marginal contributors. There's no real big name. There's no big um, star point producer. There isn't something that you can say we can build around. Um, and I think that that might be the exact sticking point. Um, uh, are we talking then about serviceable guys? Like, in other words, serviceable. replaceable, serviceable NHLers, but replaceable. And the problem is to me, now maybe it'll be good if we replace, you know, the 30-something the, the third and fourth line guys with 20-something third and fourth line guys. I guess that's okay, Gus. That maybe is a step forward. But if we're not talking about impact players, and I we look, hey, I know, Watching the playoffs, you watch the, the Kings and, and the and the Blackhawks play, you know third and fourth lines are important. So, you know, bottom six, call them whatever you want. They're very important guys. But if are the, are there anybody in the Leaf system at the junior level, at the Marley level, that, Gus, where, where these guys are going to be impact players at this level? Can we project that? 
well, I guess it kind of depends on what you expect from an impact player. There isn't anybody that's going to come in and wow everybody with a big scoring potential, and, and, and there isn't anybody that's going to take over the reins from Phil Kessel as being, you know, the best offensive player in, on the team. There's going to be a bunch of guys that are going to be able to come in and play specific roles. Jerry D'Amigo is one of those possibilities that can give you a good penalty kill presence. Ashton. Uh, lower roster guys. See, the thing about Ashton is this. I, I know that Everybody kind of expects a little bit more out of Ashton. I, I don't. I think that he's a good bottom roster guy. His skating is proved. Um, he's become more, again, using that word, serviceable. He's he's going to give you an honest effort. He's going to give you good minutes, but he's not going to score a ton of goals. And, and the scoring that he's displayed at the AHL level is something that I don't think is directly translatable to the NHL. It's something that can potentially help in a depth position, but I don't think that it's going to be something that it's going to be um, overwhelmingly successful at the NHL level. If there is currently one prospect that I think probably has the potential to put up a lot more than what he's shown so far, it's probably Peter Holland. And this is an asset that they traded for last year that wasn't necessarily a homegrown. It's something that they had to attain, something where they had to jettison another asset in order to obtain. And he's probably their best one that can possibly do something a little bit more offensively. He might be a touch grade higher than serviceable, but the rest are players that are just going to take up good roster spots at the bottom end. Okay, Gus, I, I want to bring Anthony into this, and, and I'm glad you mentioned Holland because that was the name I was going to drop. Uh, Anthony, from where you sit, is Peter Holland, because earlier this year some people were saying, oh, Holland could be a second-line center. Now, I'm not seeing that personally. I, I, I mean, I could be wrong. Uh, I tend to be of Gus's view. He could be a nice, maybe, tweener. I don't know what tweener means. Between second and third line? Third line? I'm not sure. What, how do you see someone? Let's start with Holland, Anthony, from your perspective. Uh, I think Holland will be an NHLer. I don't question that by any means, but if you look at second-line centers and expect them to get 50 to 60 points year in, year out, probably hard-pressed to think Holland's going to do that. But right. uh, it's worth noting that you know they do have one legit blue-chip type piece, and it's Riley. We kind of forget that because he played with the Leafs all year. Because yeah, he's already here, that's right. Yeah. yeah. But he's not, you know, like a 23-year-old. Like, he's not Gardner where he's been here for a bit or, like, a Kadri where he's been here for a bit and developed. Like, you know, this guy basically, you know, he made the Leafs. And he stepped right into the NHL pretty much. He didn't even play, you know, very much in his draft year. And still a top-five pick. And then he played there during the lockout and stuck there and played with the Marlies in the playoffs last season. He's a well, Leaf, but he's let a Let me ask you, Anthony, let me ask you a serious question, though. I mean, the Leafs have been sort of at the bottom of the standings for many years. I mean, not bottom-bottom, but they've been picking in the top five, top ten for the last, what, six years? Should yeah. they not have, a, like, should they not have quality in the system by now? Like, everybody says, oh, the rebuild, it's great, all these young players. Well, every team that that picks there should have. Right. Yeah, so I, mean, I want you to opine on this in a second, but I want to, I'll ask Anthony first. And do they have commensurate with where they've been picking? Do they have the types of young, skilled players that they should have? 
look, they should have more than what they have right now. Everyone knows that. When you don't have second-round picks and you don't cash in on them, this is what kills you because most teams are able to, you know, get NHLers in the first round. It's the picks after that that are the money rounds. And you look, they didn't draft in the second round last year. They're not going to draft in the second round this year. They don't have a second-round pick next year. You know, they've drafted guys in the second round like Brad Ross and Kenny Ryan, and they've become nothing. And, you know, those <laughs> that's five misses right there in the second round. And, you know, they, yeah, they've stunk for a long time, and, but they do have a few pieces at least, as you should, you know. Even though they traded a pick for Kessel, Kessel's still, you know, a cornerstone-type piece. JVR, same thing. I don't know if I would put... Gardner and Kadri on that mantle, but I'd put Riley on that mantle. So, you know, it's not a bare kitchen, but but no, but there's there's not a roster in the NHL that has nobody in the. That, I mean, every yeah. team. And I'm not trying to be like this is not a, a rant. I'm just this is just, and I want to Gress. No. I'll throw it over to you. Does not every team in the NHL have good young players? Like, am I missing something, Gus? Or I mean, so yes, the Leafs have some solid veterans, young veterans, Kessel, Van Riemsdyk to name two, Lupul is, is a bit older, of course. But, Gus, I mean, doesn't every team, you do track the NHL, doesn't everybody have good young players? Well, that's the cornerstone of trying to make uh, a competitive team. You want to have good young players. You want to have good young cheap players that eventually become good young expensive players. Yes. Um, you know, but I, I kind of keep going back to what the Leafs had when they first started this entire thing, and, and Nick Antropov and maybe Thomas, uh, not Thomas, Alex Steen was probably their best asset at the time and you know to turn whatever they had at the time well Shen wasn't there he was a piece that came afterwards I would kind of put yeah, him he, he was the Fletcher pick right yeah he, like yeah. we're talking that's the starting point so uh, from prior to that and Shen uh, okay. being thrown in there uh, yeah Burke inherited an expansion nothing. roster that was an expansion he got team. nothing he had Nick Antropov. That's all he had to play with. Like even Steen at that point was was gone. So, so to go from what they had to what they where they are now, this is the true beginning point. I mean, this is where they start to take whatever they've accumulated and start turning them into rosters. Um, that's why you get a bunch of serviceable players because you've traded away two picks to get Phil Kessel. And again, Kessel's an an, an an elite player in the league. However, there's very few complimentary players. Joffrey Lupul was a pretty decent acquisition. Although, you know, Joffrey Lupul's probably at his peak at this point in time, so trading him isn't a bad idea. JVR, what can you say? They turned Luke into John James Van Riemsdyk. So the asset management perspective up until this point has been okay. It hasn't been great. But at the same time, they've been drafting... 18th overall picking Frederick Gauthier. They got Morgan Riley because they stunk that one year. They didn't have a first-round pick the year before that. And and kind of going to Anthony's point, you know, you don't have second-round picks too. Now you're looking at further down the depth line, and that's what you're getting. You're getting serviceable players. You're not getting stars. You're not getting players that you feel can jump right into your lineup. You're getting serviceable players, projects, things that you're going to have to develop into proper NHL players. A good example of that is Josh Label. Josh Label could probably be 
Joffrey Lupul's replacement. He's not ready yet. He won't be ready there. He won't be ready next year. But there is a distinct possibility that that's the replacement. But you have to put the time and effort in order to get him to that point. And it's a process. And and every single Leaf pick, every single player that they've brought in, whether it was through an acquisition or they drafted, has been somewhat of a project. And the only exception I would think would be Morgan Riley. Jake Gardner is a little bit of a project. Nazem Kadri has been a bit of a project. I'm still not 100% on Nazem Kadri, but I can totally understand that there is a little bit of potential there. But the fact that they're all projects, that's a lot of time and effort that you have to invest in order to get a serviceable NHLer, not a star, a serviceable NHLer. That's where I think the, the most difficult point is for the Leafs right now. They're not developing big-name players. They're developing serviceable players. Okay, Anthony, from your perspective, where does Granberg fit in the picture? I've watched him a bit. I like Omei because he's big and he's a righty, which is nice considering all the left guys they have. You know, I don't think he's anything special, not necessarily in the way the Leafs talk about him, you know, big shutdown guy. You know, unless unless you're going against top lines night in, night out, you're not a, you're not a shutdown guy to me. You know, you, you might be able to play some minutes, Maybe if everything goes right, he could be a fourth, but his feet look really heavy to me whenever I've watched. He he doesn't look – I'm not saying he's slow. I'm not. I'm just saying he's not fast, and I question if he could keep up with top-end skaters in the league. But I think they got a guy who could be an NHLer there. Now, does that on that point then, Gus? Do you agree with Anthony? Is Grant because again, if you if you listen to the to the to the Leaf happy talk. You know, so many of these guys are ready to step in, but again, we're you know to use my term from earlier, which which you've also utilized, Gus, is we're talking about serviceable players. Is Granberg potentially? I know it's impossible to project accurately, uh, but is he more than serviceable potentially, or is just like a four-five defenseman at the NHL level? Well, I, I would I would step back from giving him an actual number and just say he's a decent third-pairing defenseman. In fact, I think he's probably tend to agree with the heavy feet, but I think that he's become a a decent enough option to be inserted into a third pairing even as early as next year. So Granberg, I think, could be one of those guys that can be graduated. However, again, I mean... Is he going to make them better, though? He's just going to replace another third pairing guy. Is he going to make them better, I guess, is my question. Um, I've liked what I've seen. I think that he's... To answer your question directly, no. He's not going to make them better. But he's not going to make them worse than what they are right now. If you had to take, let's say, Tim Gleason out of the lineup, because Tim Gleason really shouldn't be a first-pairing guy. He's a borderline second-pairing guy at this point. So having a Granberg who is less money, more potential than a guy that's kind of less than fleet of foot, I mean, that's an automatic upgrade right off the bat. So... In that regard, yeah, he can make them better, but it's kind of this addition by subtraction that it's the overall result. Like, I mean, it's not that he's going to step in and just make the Leafs that make the Leafs blue line that much better. Um, in a combination, though, there are some pretty good pieces. I think that Percy's a couple years away. Granberg is there next year. What about Andrew Finn? McWilliam. You know, I'd like to reserve judgment on Finn until I've actually seen him play a pro game. 
I mean, okay. he's looked great in junior, and that's all fine and good. But, you know, the jump from junior to the A is this much, and then the jump from the A to the N is about that much. So let's give the guy the benefit of the doubt, and let's watch him in the pro game before we start making um, these big grandiose expectations for a guy that was drafted in the second round, and he was, too, a bit of a project. He's come along, but he was a bit of a project. Uh, Anthony, who's, who's going to be available at number eight? I mean, we'll get into whether the Leafs should trade up or trade down, but but what not what type of player. Who are actually some of the names, Anthony, that might be available at number eight? when Because the, the Leafs are picking eight, right? Yeah. Uh, well, looking at it so far, you got the top three guys, Bennett, Reinhardt, Ekblad. And then it seems like, it also seems like the Oilers really have a thing going on for Dreisaitl, the German kid. Mm-hmm. And so they're picking third. But that means, you know, you you might be looking at a combination of those four guys in the top four. And then you're looking at, you know, kids like DeCall and Nylander in those next falling off spots. And, you know, the Leafs probably have a big run of guys, including uh, defenseman Fleury, a couple of nice wingers and Richie and uh, Vertman. I think uh, Jared McCann's a kind of an interesting name just because he's a center. And uh, some people are very high on Robbie Fabry there from Guelph. So you kind of have, you know, you're getting a good player there, but you're not getting, there's no complete player. You know, if they take a guy like Richie, for example, he's big. Like he would, he'd be the biggest guy on the Leafs right now. If the, Leafs, if the Leafs played a game tomorrow and he was on the team, he'd be the biggest guy on the team. But there's been, you know, conditioning concerns, production concerns as this guy just you know, producing because he's big type thing. Or, you know, if you draft a guy like Fabry, he's a bit on the smaller side as a center. You know, that's there's always a concern when you draft a guy that's a little smaller, just the reality situation. It's not as big of a deal as it was 15 years ago, but, hey, you draft a guy that's, you know, 5'9". As they say, the big guys play their way off the team and the small guys have to play their way onto the team. So, you know, I think they're going to get a piece at 8. But uh, there's no sure thing there. Gus, do you think the Leafs have to hit at least a double, though, with this pick? I mean, I, I don't want to say home run because, I mean, how, as Anthony was just saying, I mean, you're not likely in that category at eight. But, I mean, do the Leafs not have to make good with this pick in some fashion? I think everybody kind of the expectation on the Leafs to hit a home run is there. I personally just see a guy that is going to be kind of similar to what Anthony was saying in terms of, a project. You got a guy that, um, you know, William Nylander is another name you could throw out there. Nikolai Ellers, um, Ellers is another name. Um, but these guys are not going to just step in and be stars. They're going to take some time. They might go back to junior. Nick Ritchie's got the size. He's, he's a pretty good little scorer. I mean, I shouldn't say little. He's a pretty big boy. Um, but there's a degree where you have to become a professional, and, and, and that takes time. It takes effort. It takes development from the player themselves and, and commitment from the team as well. So, you know, the expectation on the Leafs to hit a home run is always there, whether they're drafting or last. Personally, I just think that they're going to get a decent player. They don't need to trade up. They could even move down, and they can get something that is going to be relative to whatever else is being picked in that particular slot. And they're going to have to make sure that they 
commit to making them an NHL player. Yeah, and that now we're talking about player development, which some would say under Aiken's Steve Spot this year has been better than it has been perhaps in the past in terms of actually developing players. Probably an arguable point because development means a lot of different things. You know, if Luke Shen had been not rushed and developed properly, would he have become a better NHL defenseman than he is now? Uh, can, can I just I interrupt know. you on that one, though, Michael? Of course, of course. Luke Shen was he had nothing more to learn in junior. He was already big, dominant. He had already done whatever he had to do in right. junior. He was one of those guys that was just stuck. He was the NHL or junior, and he really should have been playing in the American Hockey League. Absolutely. And that was the one problem with Luke Shen. So he comes out in the NHL. Nobody knows what he does. He's He's good enough on a team that's just absolutely horrendous. And then a little bit of video comes out, and everybody starts to recognize just what kind of player he is. And all of a sudden, it's, well, the Leafs didn't develop him. Well, how about the rest of the league just was able to pick apart his tendencies? It's it's not just something that was evident in that particular year. It's still evident now. It's the same thing that he's doing now. That, yep. he doing in his that, he, that he struggled with two or three years ago, absolutely. Uh, he's gained a lot of weight, too. He works out with Weber in the summer. He's gained a lot of weight since he's come into the league. Almost too much. I think he's probably got to lose like 15, 20 pounds and get back to skating. You know, it's not. This isn't the dead puck era, and he does not move. But, um, well, apparently, oh. I talked. We we had somebody on the show from from Philly uh, who covers the Flyers. Said he actually that Chen had a good year in 2012-13 with the Flyers, but had struggled a lot this year, this this the season that is just coming to a to a close. Now, I'm going to ask both of you, Anthony first. If you were Nonus's shoes, because we were kind of running low on time, if you were in 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 shoes, Anthony, uh, short answer: Would you move up or or stay with your pick, move up or down? Like, is it worth trying? Would you, you know? To move up, somebody sent me a note today at the at my at my uh, Vintage Leaf Memory site saying, you know, they'd heard Cadre and Gardner to Florida because Talon is looking to move the number one. Like, would you do that sort of thing? Those are two pieces off the Leafs who are who are on the young side with skill and and some upside presumably. Uh, I hate trading young defensemen myself, but what would you do in notice of shoes? Just stay where you are, be patient. Or would you accelerate? Would you would you try to actually? Well, I don't know if it would be accelerate. Would you jump up to get a a, a more of a top guy in the draft? Look, the uh, the burger trade rumor, the the Kadri and Phaneuf and the first, the eighth overall for the first and Jovanovic, that would sewer this franchise. You might as well just blow it up if you make that move. It would just they would be terrible next year. But, but in, in general, that, would you would you want to move I up though, or are you happy at eight? I would look to move up. I don't think that Florida would want Kadri at all because they've got Barkoff and Bugsad and Trocek and a few other young centers. Like, I don't see any purpose for Kadri on that team. I don't think Edmonton would love Kadri either. And I think those are kind of the two teams. But, you know, the Leafs have NHL defensemen, and that's what they want. So, I, I don't know, I would probably call Edmonton and – say, let's build a package around the eighth overall and a guy like Gunnarsson or Franzen, and then if they have to sweeten the pot with Marlies or whatever, and if that can get it done, you know, like looking back on past drafts, it wasn't a dramatic amount for it to take teams to move in that five to ten range into the top five, but not the top two. You know, we're talking 
when the Leafs went from seventh to fifth, you know, they went into a draft when there were four really highly touted defensemen and everyone thought they were all going to be elite. And that cost them a second and a third to go from seventh to fifth and to snag one of them. But there isn't that sort of aura around this draft, which right. has been my big thing. I don't think there's a huge price to pay to move up with these teams. Talents shopping it. I think he's going to end up taking Ekblad. It makes too much sense. But I think with Edmonton, you know, they want to start winning. They've sucked for so long. So I'm offering them NHL defensemen and my pick and see where I want to go from there because, you know, the Leafs need to get a, a big-time center in this organization. Even if they would ever draft a winger at eighth, yeah, it's just kind of spinning your tires to me. But that's what I would do. Okay, Gus, from your perspective... Would you would you make a move, Gus, to move up, or would you just be patient and stick and, and stay with the eighth pick? I would be calling Dave Talon, and I would say, listen, your power play sucked. The reason why it sucked was because you have Brian Campbell and Tom Gilbert, who are both good puck movers, but you have no shooters. You have a great set of young forwards. You have nobody to shoot the puck from the blue line. First and a Franzen, that's my offer. You don't want it, we'll stake at eighth. The reason why I say that specifically is because it took – a first and Jacob Voracek to land a Jeff Carter, an established Jeff Carter, who was, I, you know, I don't like making these grandiose statements, but, I mean, Carter was ready to step in and make an impact that very next season. There's no guarantee that either of Bennett, Reinhardt, or even Ekblad, for that matter, are able to step in and make the type of impact that Carter would have. Yet, Everybody's prognosticating about Kadri and Fanuf and the first and for first overall. Are people high? Are they crazy? I mean, talk about overvaluing for a pick that you're going to have to work to become a great player. I mean, this is just this is lunacy. This is just clickbait. It's it's it's. It, I would love to talk to the guy that actually spoke that first rumor and just try to pick apart what he was thinking. At this point in time, it's Franzen for that specific reason, and I just wrote up the floor, uh, the Panthers too, and man, that power play was horrible. But that's exactly the kind of player that they need. And if Talon really wants to make the playoffs, the power play is the first thing that has to get fixed. Franzen is a good fit there, especially as a right-handed guy. So that's how I would be selling it. If he doesn't want to buy that, I would stick with eight. And even in what Anthony was saying, I'd even move down. If the player, this draft, and I've kind of explained it to a lot of people in the same way, is going to be, a lot of stuff is going to be on the draft floor. If the, if the teams that are picking in a specific slot don't like the type of assets that they feel that they are getting, there is always the distinct possibility of moving down. You pick up another player, you pick up another pick, the Leafs don't have a second, they might be able to move down a couple of slots and pick up that second. There's so much different possibilities, yet Kadri, Fanuf, and a first is the damn rumor. It's it's unbelievable. No, so the, yeah, you, you can't even conceive that because there's no, there are no Crosby's in this draft. There, there's McKinnon's, all this stuff. Like it's just not happening. So that so we shouldn't even. I just wanted to raise it though, guys, because it's out there, and I'm not a big fan of dealing with rumors because, as we both all know, most of this stuff is is you know totally unfounded. But I just wanted last topic. Well, look uh, at before, uh, look at Yakupov. He was drafted first overall, and, you know, he was highly touted, but, you know, everyone knew he wasn't Crosby, McKinnon type, whatever. Imagine if the Leafs right now traded Fanuf 
and Kadri for what Yakupov's done in the last two seasons, they would just be terrible. You might as well just burn down the entire team and trade everything and try and cash in on the 2015 draft. Like, that's just not a good move. You know, no, no, I, I, think everybody's, top, but. I think you guys are in, in full agreement there. Last topic, um, Marley's did well. Uh, Anthony, I'll start with you and finish with Gus, and then we'll wrap it up. Marley's did well all the way to Game 7 in the semifinals. Uh, now, they had some of the same afflictions uh, as the Leafs being outchanced, out, you know, uh, outshot, and that sort of thing at times in the playoffs. Uh, is that a concern, or does that have anything to do with the... With, I mean, everybody wants to point at Carlisle, the Leaf system. I mean, is the Marley system the same, different? Uh, or were you just pleased to see them do well and get this far and get some of the young guys' playoff experience at the AHL level? Well, I'm pleased they got experience. I mean, that's really the bottom line. You know, ultimately, what the team does isn't necessarily a reflection of individuals. Sure. You know, if the team's getting out chance, but Holland looks good and Holland's going to be a Leaf, I, that's all you care you know, about. It yeah. sucks that the team can't pick it up, but you know, at the end of the day, you want to get a few Leafs out of the deal. You know, in the defensive zone, they kind of looked like the Leafs to me. They collapsed at times. You were watching Texas just dominate, and the Leafs were kind of, you know, bodies or Marley's bodies were diving all over the place, and it was messy and whatever. They didn't score as much off the rush, but I think it was just because they weren't talented enough to do that. So they had to actually grind more. But, you know, I think you're looking at that team, and Holland is probably an NHLer next year, and D'Amigo is probably an NHLer next year, and they'll probably take a D-man. Chances are Granberg. And maybe Ashton can become an NHLer too full-time. So you're looking at three, maybe a fourth guy, and maybe there's a surprise in there in Carrick. I wouldn't bet on it, but... You know, so that's not a bad haul. It's nothing special, but it's uh, development and continuity. So, uh, and Gus, what about from your perspective? Um, they ran into a very difficult Texas team. I mean, Texas Tech is the class of the AHL. They work hard. They have a a, a fantastic forechecking system. They have wave upon wave upon wave of forwards that are able to just dominate teams, not just the Marlies, but the rest of the AHL in, in an incredible fashion. They're so deep, three lines, and even a fourth line that can kind of contribute with Faxa and Stransky and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I thought that the way that I kind of saw Texas was Texas played more to lose than the Marlies played more to win. Um, especially the two of the three games here at the Rico Coliseum, the game that the Leafs, uh, oh my God, I was going to say the Leafs, the Marlies took game, four, uh, I believe it was game four, uh, was Texas just not really showing up and skating as hard as they could. Marlies got an incredible run of scoring the first goal in every single game that they played. That's That starts you off in a good position. That's um, right. It, it, you know, they, they leaned on McIntyre, he did the job. They leaned on their defense. They did the job. The forwards were way too perimeter at some point. Some of them were just incredible. I thought Peter Holland had a fantastic playoff, even though he missed the first round. I thought that label for spurts showed some pretty decent potential. Um, Carrick and McKegg showed some very good spunk. I, I, like There was a lot of good that you can get out of it. Uh, the experience of where they got, and I think the 
best thing that happened to them was losing in game seven and not in four against Texas. It was nice to get the first round sweep, nice to get the second round sweep. Jake Allen was not that great, but it was nice to get the experience that they got. And hopefully it's something that they, as individual players, not as a team, but as individual players, grasped on and did something that they can personally build upon. That's the next level, and that's the best thing that happened out of this entire Marley's run. Okay, and listen, let's let's wrap. I'm going to uh, add one more thing in very quickly, 20 seconds or less for both of you. McIntyre, good enough to be Bernier's backup next year if the Leafs move Reimer this summer. Gus, first to you. Um, in the perfect world, I'd like Reimer to actually stay as the 1B. I'm not sure that's possible. Is McIntyre the proper backup? Probably not, but he he could do the job. Alex? Anthony, um, I, I was just going to say I was thinking of, of thanking Declan and Alec at the end of the show for for producing this. Sorry, Anthony. What, what what about from your perspective? Would you would you be looking at a McIntyre, or are you kind of of Gus's view on this one? Uh, I'd rather they sign uh, some guy for cheap, uh, Thomas Grice, uh, Alex Stalock, Justin Peters, rather than go with Mac. I think he could do the job, but I don't. I wouldn't. You know, be confident with that guy back there, and not not with this team that relies on their goaltending, and a goalie who's probably going to get burnt down again from letting in, you know, receiving record amounts of shots probably again next year. So, Anthony, final comment then from you, Leaf fans going into the draft or the rest of the summer, and of course training camp in September should be more hopeful, less hopeful than they were at this time a year ago. Be honest. Uh, Fair question. I'm not particularly hopeful, but you know that's just me being honest. Um, you know, I think the the clock is ticking on Phil and and JVR, and they'll be good players for a while. But this is their prime right now. JVR is hitting 25 next year. Next year is probably going to be his big year, and they they need a lot of work. Let's put it that way. Okay, and and Gus, uh, if you're if you were in a Leaf fan shoes, you'd be more hopeful, less hopeful than 12 months ago. Uh, I would probably be less hopeful simply because of the fact of the collapses. But I mean, this is the team. There's you're not going to get any better in a short turnaround time. This is what it is. This is what they're going into the season with next year, unless some real big sweeping changes happen. I I think that it's just a you're on par for the course. That's great. Hey, excellent stuff, guys. Anthony, uh, super as always. Anthony Petrielli from the Maple Leaf Hot Stove. Gus Katsaros, Pro Scouting Director for McKean's Hockey. Uh, love talking with you guys. Uh, really appreciate the perspective that you both bring. Uh, you were fantastic on the show today, as always, and, and so thanks for joining us on the program. Good night, Michael. Pleasure's Good night, Anthony. Good night, Gus. Listen, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, next time around, I'm sure Michael Stevens will be back. Thanks to uh, Alec Brownscombe, Declan, and Karen behind the scenes for producing this. You have been listening to Episode 30 of the Maple Leaf Hangout with Gus Katsaros and Anthony Petrielli, our special guest tonight. Take care, everybody. We'll catch you all next time.